the face. I can't quite remember all the details. That is one of the losses. The disintegration of memories of someone you love that happens in the months and years after they are gone. As I recall it, Katie came up and bumped up against my leg with her huge face as I was pottering around in her and Jimmy's run. As was so often the case, it took me to a while to snap out of my absorption in whatever I was ruminating on and understand that she had something very specific to tell me. She was persistent and eventually I got it. They had tipped over their water. She was thirsty. I put down the bucket, walked out the gate, made my way through the tennis court turned garden over to the tap at the end of the hose and turned it on. While the water was running, I came back into their area and crouched on one side of their large green plastic trough, Katie on the other side, water rising in the space between us. When she put her mouth in the cool water and began to drink, she looked right at me. Amid so many shared moments, this one stands out. In the two or so years we had lived together, Katie had never looked me right in the face. She would stand, facing the same direction as I was, but about half a metre in front of me, her nose pointing forward, one eye turned back and looking at me, sidelong, I think they call it. That morning, however, her eyes were on mine, face to face, as she drew the cool water into her body the water she had so, so desired but needed me to fetch. I said the word water, my human way of marking this sequence of our responding to each other. She looked at me and drank. Most philosophers in the Western tradition who have thought about ethics have argued that if we are to act ethically, first we need to identify a set of principles that define right conduct. For Emmanuel Levinas, our sense of being ethically obliged is much more concrete and immediate. Perhaps this is because his work on ethics and our responsibility to attend to others' suffering emerged from his own experience as a Lithuanian Jew whose entire family was murdered in the Shoah. His starting point was a simple observation about what life is like for most of us most of the time. We each move through our own lives and concerns regarding everyone and everything else as part of our world. People or animals or environments show up as meaningful, useful, useless, interesting and so on, depending on what I find meaningful, useful, useless, interesting and so on. Then in the midst of being absorbed in a world that is my world, I encounter the face of another person. And the world as I had experienced it, my world, consumed by what I wanted and what I was up to, breaks open. Another person's face stops me short. Why? Because a face can never be just an object in my world. The face is the site of another's experience, never reducible to what I know or what I want. The other, like me, is looking out at her world. How the world occurs to her from her perspective always exceeds and is different to how the world occurs to me. Again and again 
and in each case otherwise, the face makes it impossible for me to turn the world into my world. This, he writes, is the beginning of ethics. When I first read Levinas, I thought I had come across the most important idea in the world, and I thought I had found in him a thinker who invoked the world I wanted to be part of. But Levinas insisted that only humans have faces. Only humans have this infinite and irreducible view add on to the world. And what followed from this was that only humans are capable of calling other humans to this place we call ethical responsibility. Only when we are face to face, human to human, can we say not simply, I want you, but I want you to have the life you want. I want you to be. But then there is Katie's face over the water, and I wanted her to be. And when I saw Katie's charred body lying near the flattened ruins of the house where she had run when the fire came, I wanted her to be. I wanted to find myself face to face with her once more. More than that, even if I could never see her again, I wanted her to have a view out onto her world. And it's not just Katie or Katie's kind or even animal kind. Lately, after the long dry months, the huge fronds of the tree ferns that live all around us have changed from an almost iridescent green to burnt brown, not fire burnt, but from the slow scorch of unrelenting sun and the lack of water from the inside, the slow violence of drought. We thought they were dying, but one of our neighbours, who knows plants well, explained they had pulled the water back from their fronds and up into their trunks so they could weather out the dry. When the rain finally came, it was as if they started to let themselves exhale a little, hints of green coming back into the fronds, still mainly brown because it was too early to trust that the rain would continue, but not quite so wary in their contraction. I have an inkling of their faces. I'm trying not to anthropomorphise here, but it's hard not to because humans, at least humans who speak my language, have taken all the best words and guarded them jealously for ourselves. All the words that signify feeling, wanting, knowing, responding, aspiring. At best, everyone else gets to react. So as long as I'm using this language, there is really no option than to use the words that we humans apply to ourselves and claim as our human affordances and capacities, but to use them in the spirit of resistance. To trust that when we give them over to beings other than humans, to Katie or to the ferns, or to the ecosystems that are trying to persist as temperatures soar and water stops, those words will also have the chance to change, to lose their selfishness. And perhaps they will even have something to offer us in turn. Who knows what we might be like if we shared those capacities and the chance to define them with others. It's not that there are no other ways of being human, nor other ways of knowing and speaking. In recent years, Indigenous writers and friends have given me the opportunity to peek into worlds where humans live among other beings with an appreciation that they are also making sense of their worlds. These human worlds are teeming with diverse, related and knowing subjects across the spectrum of being and well beyond the human. As Robin Wall Kimra, a forest biologist, 
a member of the Potawatomi Nation, writes, Indigenous peoples' languages are adept at expressing both this more generous distribution of consciousness and the entangled relationships between different beings. But just as our Western knowledge systems have excluded the possibility of knowers other than humans, so too they have marginalised these knowledges by dubbing them mythology, folklore or story. Again, who knows what we might be like if our claims on knowledge lost their selfishness. It's a tough call, and not only because of our linguistic habits. Once you see that other others, not just human others, have a face, the responsibility to, to their lives becomes infinite. Every time you make them an object, every time you block out their faces, you betray them and yourself as well. I have never got over something else Levin us wrote. Sometimes, he admitted, we cannot bear that others have a face. We cannot tolerate what that would demand of us, so we want to murder them. It's just too much of a burden to remain alive to the truth that all of these other beings feel what it is like to be thirsty or what it is like not to have the space to move or experience the loss of others they nourish and are nourished by. Sometimes it's easier to kill them than to stay face to face. But these are the poles. To answer the call to be infinitely responsible to others or to kill them because we cannot bear that responsibility. And though extreme, there is something simple about poles. The possibility that seems most difficult to take is perhaps the possibility that lies before us. To acknowledge that we will inevitably fail in that infinite responsibility to all of those whose faces look out to the world and still to remain present to their faces and respond imperfectly.